This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 29th, and it's week seven of Franchise Today, coming to you from the bunker right here in Marietta, Georgia. I'm Stan Friedman, happy to be healthy, but sick of being locked down. At the same time, though, I'm encouraged by the fact that we seem to be working our way through the worst of this COVID-19 coronavirus crisis, with some states that are ready and able actually beginning to reopen for business. But then there are others like mine, the great state of Georgia, where our governor, Brian Kemp, in his infinite wisdom, has irresponsibly decided that Georgia should be the first state to reopen, ignoring all of the federal guidelines that have been set for safely doing so. So, tattoo parlors, barbershops, nail salons, and gyms are now able to reopen in Georgia. As much as people in those businesses are hurting, even suffering right now, the data clearly says that this is premature for Georgia. It's simply not safe here just yet to do so. This isn't the first time I've questioned the judgment of my governor, but it is the first time to my knowledge that his lack of prudent judgment has been such a dangerous roll of the dice. Speaking of government relations, albeit on a brighter note, what a great showing last week by IFA's Matt Haller, Senior VP of Government Relations and Public Affairs. Matt delivered a stellar performance here for us last week, sharing all the latest things that are COVID-related in D.C., and moreover, where they're heading on all things franchising. Great job as always, Matt, and thanks for sharing. Okay, so today, another great conversation is just ahead. This week, we're joined by the iconic Shelly Sun, co-founder and CEO of Bright Star Care. Just ahead of that, though, I'd like to take just a second before our break to add one more thank you, and that is my thanks to you for your loyalty week after week as a listener to this podcast. And I'd like to encourage your further participation as a Franchise Today contributor, whether it's to recommend future guests about show content, sponsorship, or anything franchise-centric. Your input is both invited and appreciated. Likewise, if there's ever anything that I can do for you, be it personal or through my expansive network of franchising professionals, as always, I'm here to serve, and you're invited to reach out to me at any time. All of my personal contact info, both phone and email, are included on my LinkedIn profile, and I'd love to hear from you. Okay, so a quick break right now, and we are back straight away with Bright Star co-founder and CEO, Shelly Sun. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Stan Friedman here with a word about Transitive, an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine, accurate dependable results that are second to none. All right, without getting too deep into the weeds, Transitive connects franchisees' customer data from all sources, providing high-octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning, yes, artificial intelligence, which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important because, as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups 
groups, delivering specific personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it, so what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's www.transitive, T-R-A-N-S-I-T-I-V dot I-O. Shelley Sun is the CEO and founder of Brightstar Group Holdings, the holding company from multiple brands offering care services globally in various settings, including in-home, assisted living, and memory care communities, as well as in commercial settings like hospitals through medical staffing services, with close to 350 locations in the U.S. and Canada, serving thousands of families. Bright Star Care delivers a full menu of in-home care, as well as premium health care staffing for corporate clients, such as nursing homes and physicians. In 2000. Brightstar launched its franchising efforts, becoming the first and only franchising company in the country to specialize in both medical and non-medical care and health care staffing. Shelley served as chair of the IFA's board of directors in 2017 and 18, is a certified franchise executive, and was selected by the IFA as its 2009 Entrepreneur of the Year. Brightstar has appeared for multiple years on Forbes magazine's top 10 franchise opportunities for under $150,000 and also for seven consecutive years on Inc.'s 5,000 list. Shelley and Brightstar were featured on CBS TV's Undercover Boss. She's the author of Grow Smart, Risk Less, and there, as here, she discusses her journey as an emerging franchisor through amazing growth, lessons learned, and game-changing ideas. Shelly Sun, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. Thanks for having me. I can't believe it's been five, maybe six years that I've been podcasting, and we haven't found this moment in time any sooner than this, but busy people, right? (laughs) Very true. Well, I'm thrilled to have you, and literally at this particular moment in time where so much in our lives is a little bit sideways and very upside down in terms of just life for all of us in general, more specifically for those of us in franchising. So Shelly, we'll dive into discussion about some of the things that are relevant into your business and the impact that COVID-19 has had on it. But let's first start the interview the way I always do. Let me ask you to rewind the tape and take us back to the time that franchising found you. Uh, well, I think I'll start with you know, where the entrepreneurial journey found me. And that was late 2001. I was looking for care for my grandmother and couldn't find good quality care. Uh, that kind of led to the fall of 2002, starting franchising. A couple of years after that, after having success, moving from one company company-owned location to a second and then a third. Had an opportunity to co-invest in a couple of hotels that were franchise brands. And so I went to Choice Hotels, new manager and new owner training, and was sitting there trying to learn what I could about the hotel investment I was making and completely thought, wow, this is totally something that we could franchise our own business model. And so came back in, um, that was mid-2004. I was pregnant with twins at the time and about six weeks later went on bed rest. So I had all the time in the world to do operations manuals and interview franchise attorneys and get ready to launch our franchise system, which launched in mid to to late 2005. And we opened our first franchise unit ever in March of 2006. You were a finance person, were you not? Yeah, good memory. Yeah, yeah, I have an undergraduate and graduate degree in accounting and I'm a CPA, no longer licensed because I don't have to use it anymore, but I kept it for probably my first 10 years as an entrepreneur, maybe just as a fallback plan, but I've let that lapse. 
sense. And so 05 is when you actually ramped up and began franchising. And what about the early days? How did you make some early day decisions about who's going to be guidance for you in that endeavor? You said you got with attorneys and, and whatever, but I'm sure that you did due diligence on a great many different ways to roll out a franchise model before you settled on what you did. So what can you remember about the work that you did in the early stage preparation, even before beginning the franchise? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the first things I remember doing was reading Franchising for Dummies. It's kind of funny that Michael Sides become a dear friend of mine now. You know, he just was a an elusive name on a book back then. And then I joined the International Franchise Association and got really active in trying to just become a student and learn all I could. Um, I also att- attended Therese Tilgen's Leadership and Development Conference in October of 05 before we opened our first franchise, first franchise location. And I remember sitting there and my three speakers were Kurt Landwehr, Tom Wood, who Tom has become like the dearest friend, him and Elizabeth, and then Brian Schnell. And I begged Kurt if he would spend Thursday evenings and Saturdays um, letting me ask all kinds of dumb questions about franchise sales so I could try to do it right and learn from who I thought was one of the best salespeople I I had heard of and seen at that stage. And, you know, everyone was so gracious um, in giving their time, and I was so eager to learn and try to do it right. And so, you know, that, that connectivity through IFA and Franchise Update with Leadership and Development Conference is really how I've made so many contacts and learn so much in franchising over the years. And now I'm really trying to give that back and mentoring a lot of emerging franchisor brands. And many of them are listening to you right here, right now. So thank you for paying back by paying forward and doing a great deal of good for our industry as a whole outside of just the growth and development of your own brand. So Shelly, in those early days, tell us what was it about franchising that in a business that's as regulated as, and as controlled as healthcare, I mean, literally we think franchising Mm -hmm. as a way of doing business has got a lot of regulatory control over it. It's really nothing compared to what you live in in your world, is it? No, I mean, you know, what we saw is that we had achieved such size and scale in our company owned locations, but to really ensure size and scale in revenue and profitability, but also make sure we were taking care of grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads in the right way, it was really about quality assurance. And we invested before we ever thought about franchising in technology. So we launched a proprietary back office system that does everything from billing, payroll, scheduling, data analytics, quality outcomes, tracking, et cetera, in mid-2004. It's certainly gone through many, many iterations since then, but every single franchisee and their data on revenue, customer, business mix, margin, everything from their very first day of opening, we have in our proprietary system. And I think that's allowed us to accelerate growth and achieve a significant amount of growth per franchise location compared to others in the industry. So that finance background certainly sounds to me like it did more than provide aid in growing a business. It really was the cornerstone and background of being certain that your unit level economics were going to be correct and in place, not only for yourself, but moreover for your franchisees. I think that was really important. And then I've had the opportunity to lead very large teams in my past career and really focused on whether it was EVA or balance score 
scorecard or initiatives like that with 300 um, people reporting to me. It's really about how can you get the results through others and what are the metrics that people and the organization need to be managed through and making sure you're inspecting what you're expecting. And those have been really great principles that have served me well during my corporate America days and they have been absolutely fundamental in my journey as an entrepreneur and now as a franchisor. So bring us up to the current day from that 2005 first venture into franchising. Along the way, you managed to become the youngest entrepreneur of the year as recognized by the IFA as an awardee. And I think one of two, if I'm not mistaken, two or three women, one before you. Um, I think Joanne Shaw was before me and then myself might've been the second, but there've been a couple since. So it's great to see some female competition. I think I was the youngest until John Rachi might have picked me off for now being the youngest to have gotten it because he's a little babe compared to the <laughs> rest of us. But he got it, I think, a little bit after we did. But the journey in any entrepreneurial journey, there's the high points and there's low points or things you wish you could do different. I think the things that we got right was making sure that the unit economics at the franchisee unit level could be strong to support the franchisee and franchisor before we started franchising. So I looked very closely at what's my company own store results. And if I layered in the fees, I'm going to ask a franchisees for general marketing fund, technology and royalty, can they still make a healthy return? And I think that's an important thing pre-franchising for any business to be looking at. And that's really what has led to our scalability and sustainability with time, making sure that there's differentiation compared to other competitors in the marketplace. You know, there's a lot of home care competitors. There have been none that have been willing in the private pay space to mandate joint commission accreditation and nurse-led model. So all of our locations have a registered nurse, director of nursing, leading the location. We are very clinically led. It's business owner owned. So it's typically people with an operations or sales background leading and as franchise, but they're hiring a director of nursing. So it's nurse-led from a quality standpoint with the consumer. And we're willing to back that up to have each location in their franchise agreement have a mandate to become joint commission accredited. And we're the only one to have done that. So I think it's important regardless of the brand and the in the segment that they're in is what is the point of differentiation? Do you really have a different sandwich than everybody else? And is it really better or is it freaky fast like Jimmy John's? What's that point of differentiation? And can you really stick to that and differentiate against the competition? And I think that's been critical because it's not for us just about serving senior care. Not everyone will be our consumer. But for those that are able to pay a little bit more to have that nurse overseeing every single case, be there from the very beginning of the case in the living room to see what mom or dad or grandma or grandpa needs, be able to oversee that care, develop an individualized, personalized care plan and assessment, and then do supervisory visits at a uh, normal frequency to make sure that they're making sure that everything that we want done is being done. I think that's important. So I think that that crosses sectors. Some of the things we didn't get right in the, in the very beginning, we didn't necessarily pick the right law firm from the get go. I wish I'd picked my law firm by being at my first IFA convention and knowing who the most credible and most recognized were that really understood franchising. So that took some wasted dollars to get to the right law firm. We didn't pick the right PR initially, and we've gotten to the right PR now. But you know, there were some missteps along the way. I think we got some hiring and investments right. I think we did well in investing in technology. I think we did well in eventually um, investing in franchise operations talent that understood franchising and how to support franchisees. The things that I probably way 
wasted money early, which bootstrap and you don't have money to waste. So I wish I wouldn't have hired an accountant on my team as early as I did, because it's something I had the competency to do and could have put those dollars towards the things that I couldn't do, like franchise development. So those were probably some of the lessons learned, because I think for your audience, it's about both, both went what went right and what went wrong. We grew to about 100 locations in about four years. We started franchising in 2006. So we're well, well on our way into this journey, almost 20 years total in business, about 15 franchising. We have 340 locations in 40 states now, and we just crossed the 500 million or half a billion dollars of system-wide revenues per year threshold. And Shelly, I'm asking you to lay out these bona fides for the benefit of the audience, because we're going to talk about COVID and we're going to talk about the responsibilities of a franchisor in any given time, much less the times we're in now. But I think it's critically important that for the benefit of the audience who may not be IFA members or may not have been an IFA member in 2017 when you were elected chairwoman of IFA, it's good for them to know who they're listening to and who they can trust to take counsel from with some of that which you're going to share with us today. So I thank you for spending a little bit of the time that we've got together to just lay that foundation of background and who you are and what you represent in terms of industry experience and understanding, certainly far along for the years that you've been involved in IFA and the, and the years that you've been involved in franchising. So let's move into the current day and the things that we're all confronted with. And who better than you to talk about healthcare and the impact that COVID has had? We've never seen the economy shut down anytime in our lives. Franchising has, in recessions, benefited from the ability to have a better pool of people, perhaps, to draw from for franchise development. But the whole world is shut down right now, Shelley, and there's virtually no place on the planet that's able to conduct business as usual. And yet in a business like the one you're in, business can't stop just because the economy does, can it? It cannot. And even more so than ever, that keeping our seniors, who, which are the largest at-risk demographic, safely at home, out of the community, and making sure that if they do have care needs, they're delivered at home. So we keep them out of overtaxed environments like the hospital. So keeping them at home is part of our mission since we first started and has never been more important than now. What do you say to the franchisors that are listening was the most important thing for you? The first thing when you saw this coming and you saw what was going to happen with the nation being shut down, what was the first thing you did and began doing? What kind of an action plan did you have in place for communication with franchisees and your internal team? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I might segment out like what are some of the things that we did that might be harder to execute for an emerging franchisor versus thinking about your audience because I've been there. What are the things that an emerging franchisor could easily replicate what we did? Because it takes planning and it takes some time, but it doesn't take a lot of dollars. And so some of those things that I think that we did is we stood up a daily communication. We set up a mailbox that was COVID-19. So communications were coming from that. And depending on the communication, some were going to our franchisees, their directors of nursing, their branch managers, and their salespeople. So the franchisees and their teams were getting that daily communication. Important to have that coming from a box that only three or four people on a team were monitoring versus sending it out from me and then having my email box like just get swamped and keep me from being able to run the organization. So I think that's an important trick and easily replicated. We now, five weeks 
weeks into this this journey. And now this week we'll go to a two time per week communication. We don't feel like we need daily communication anymore. So we're moving to a two time per week and then interim as needed based upon emergency communication needs. And, th- and that, that was really inexpensive, but franchisees just want to know what's going on. They want some connectivity. And I think that's important. The second thing that we did is we were doing um, what we'll call boot camp training, but training every single month, obviously with everything shut down, franchisees that are getting ready to start their businesses still need to go through their training seminar. So we had to move to completely have those virtual. So we all recorded those and put them into kind of a staged area of WebEx and have invited on a preset schedule our newer franchisees to go through that. But since we'd already done it, it didn't cost us any money to make those available as well for our franchisees teams to be ready to come out of this stronger. And what a great time for kind of continuing education when many of our franchisees have continued to keep 100% of their people on the payroll. What a great way to keep them accessing some great information so they're stronger in the days ahead. So we did that. We were supposed to have a a branch leadership conference in April. Obviously, that turned out not to occur, but we decided to take that event and make it virtual over a four-week period of time. And since we no longer had the hotel contract or the food and beverage, we've made that free to our franchisees and their teams. And that'll start for us in a couple of weeks and go for a four-week period of time. So I think those, those few things are very easy for emerging franchisors to do right now. Now, for probably the last two weeks, I've been all things PPP loan. So literally, I've been communicating with every franchisee to see if they got funding on round one, who they got funding from. And I have like a master spreadsheet of every franchisee, where they got funded from based upon their geography and asking them if they could go ask the banker if they could get three or four of their other franchisees from the same state through that same funding cycle. And so we've been able to match up probably about 90% of our franchisees have two or three applications in at multiple banks. But we know for 100% of our franchisees, if they funded and we had 79 of 181 potential loans fund before the money ran out, and we have 102 still waiting for funding of those 102, we have a hundred of them in at least two or more application uh, sources and all of them in at least one. So I think that's really an important thing for an emerging franchisor. They might only be tracking 20, but I think it's a really important thing. Funding is going to be critical to come out of this and not have closures. And so making sure that franchisees are set up with lending sources. We worked with ADP to get um, the payroll reports uh, streamlined and ready and to every franchisee proactively so we could streamline what they needed to submit to their lender or processor to get a loan in process. Uh, So I think anything that a franchisor can do, those don't cost money. They just take diligence and time. Some of the things that we have done that did take money and resources to do might be unique to our industry is For us, the more we can make N95 masks as well as full PPE available to our frontline caregivers, it's keeping our caregivers safe and it's also keeping our clients safer. And so trying to look at things that we're taking a lot of time for our franchisees, you read all the news, PPE has been very difficult for anyone to be able to source. And we believed if we use the power of our brand and sourced in large quantities, I'm a YPOer, so I had connections around the globe 
uh, with people willing to help me put together PPE supply chain. So we've invested over $2 million. Uh, minimum order quantity size for most items were 10,000. Some things were 100,000 to make sure that one week into the crisis, we already had a PPE orders placed. We've leveraged some relationships in the industry uh, with dear friends, you know, John Rachi, even though he's younger, he's a, he's a sweetheart. He and David Barr have helped us uh, with their Franworth uh, capabilities at Liberty to put up a warehousing inventory capability so our franchisees can place an online order and in two days have, or an overnight if needed, have the PPE they need to get it out and deployed on the front line. And it's one thing that we can take off their plate so they can just focus on being supportive uh, for their caregivers and providing the care that their clients need. Shelly, you sound like a governor. I'm, I feel like I'm listening to a, a briefing from Andrew Cuomo, which Fox News was running almost every day for a while. But literally, that's what this is all about, isn't it? You really are running a crisis program for not only a business that's in healthcare, but serving the needs of those who are totally dependent on your care even before a COVID event. I marvel too at the employees. I started thinking about the people who in your world are the front line, and I consider them first responders. They're just like first They're angels. Yes, they're absolutely angels. But on the front line, risking themselves, but they, they're committed to their clients. I think what we need to make sure we're doing is making sure they're safe while they are on our front line. And that's why PPE was so important to me. And, you know, you read all the articles in this industry is the PPE industry is is wrought with fraud. I mean, we had our first order of 100,000 masks, 400,000 that didn't materialize, a second order of 575,000 for uh, 100,000 masks that didn't materialize. And then we broke it up and went to about 10 sources with 10,000 10, masks or so each. And four of those first four have hit. So we've got enough masks to provide one to every caregiver that started deploying out about a week, week and a half ago. So of all the things that we've done, I am the most proud of that. My CFO never thought he'd be uh, running the supply chain and 24 hours a day, but it's what our brand needed. I needed to be on the phone and on WhatsApp with my YPO contacts around the globe using those connections because the first two that didn't resolve themselves with a successful outcome were not my YPO network. All the ones that have come through for me have been my YPO network. So that's been you know very special to see that a lot of people just really from everywhere, Mexico, Turkey, China, some places in Europe and all across the US really just coming together to try to help make sure our front line, because we are essentially first responders, making sure that we've got the same supply chain that they need in hospitals because we're, you know, we're under six foot, you know, we're taking care of mom and dad and doing bathing and helping with medication. And in a lot of cases, we're doing skilled nursing where we're doing wound care. So we're right up and close with our clients. And so six foot distancing doesn't work in our world. We're talking with Shelly Sun, CEO and co-founder of Bright Star Care. And we're going to take a quick break. And Shelly, when we come back, let's take a look over the horizon at what you see coming on the other side of this crisis and where things may go from here. We'll be right back with Shelly Sun. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, 
dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And we continue our conversation with Shelly Sun, CEO and co-founder of Bright Star Care. Shelly, we've had a great deal of discussion in the first segment about the here and the now. Where do you see things moving as we kind of lift the veil on this event and life as we hopefully know it returns? Yeah, I mean, I think as, as a country, we are able to respond. I think we're optimistic in our nature and we will get back. I, I think it will come out a little slower. I think it might take us, you know, six to 18 months to get back to where the thriving point was before this all set in, but we will gradually come out of it. I, I think some things will shift and let's get that by, by segment and then I'll bring it into kind of how I think about that for Bright Star, if there's some kind of applicability there. But if you looked at fast food, I think the next six to 18 months until you have widespread antibody and COVID testing and a vaccination, I think guests are going to fully expect that everyone taking care of them at a line is using hand sanitizer or using gloves and using a face shield. I think for airlines, I don't think middle seats exist when we come back out of this. And so how does everybody rejigger their business model in this new normal to make sure cost structures allow us to be sustainable? And so I think that was a lot of the early planning we did is if this starts to come back out in 60 days, but it takes 12 months to get back to where we were, How do we need to adjust our infrastructure? How do we need to allocate our investments into some of the things we were going to do, but maybe we can't do it all so that we make sure that we're sustainable for the long haul? So in the fall of 2019, we would have had our annual conference with our franchisees and laid out all the things we were going to do in 2020. And we got some of those started before early March when the world was kind of overtaken with all things COVID-19. And then really for a second quarter, those initiatives have had to be on ice, but we We've got a town hall call with our franchisees on April 30th, which is a quarterly call that we do that kind of shares what did we do in the past quarter and how are we looking ahead. And our format for this call, which will be the first town hall since COVID has overtaken, is 50% on COVID-related, what have we done, how are we preparing, what resources you might have missed, and 50% getting back on our 2020 plan. And it won't be all things, but there will be some critical few that are necessary. And for us as a brand, I think more than ever, you know, we had a big initiative for 2020 to roll out a a CRM platform for our franchisees. I think that's more important than ever. Even though their salespeople can't make sales calls right now, they will need to accelerate growth coming forward. It will be more important to get ROI on salespeople that they're doing the right activity and drip campaigns in terms of marketing will be essential to win the customer. The second thing is we had an intentionality around 
around differentiating the business model and diversifying to more skilled business. We're about 20% skilled business now. Our goal over the next you know, three years or so is to more, move that closer up to 40 to 50%. And why is that important? You look at right now where a lot of the population can make more money on unemployment insurance than they made in their prior position. And so some workforces are having a hard time getting their workers to come back to make $12 an hour when they can make 15 on unemployment insurance. I and mean, I'm not saying that's all, but you hear about it enough that I think it's a concern. And so where do we shift into some upper stream segments of business like skilled where it's utilizing LPNs and registered nurses who are clearly above the unemployment insurance rates of pay? And I think that'll help our franchisees come out of this stronger. And then national accounts has been a very strong item of growth for us. We run about $100 million of national account business, B2B, where they're coming to our brand and then we're pushing that business out to our franchisees. So it's about 20% of our $500 million annual revenue. And, and we've had an intentionality to grow that. We built a centralized intake capability so our national accounts can pull things through us and not have to know which of the 300 plus locations to contact. They can do that in a centralized way through our home office staff that we've built up a department for. And then we can push those orders out. We're building up a capability to do that via technology right now as well. So I think it's about seeing what can be done that was already on the 2020 plan. And maybe the 2020 plan needs to reshuffle over a two-year period of time. But I think franchisees need to be seeing their franchisors looking across that horizon. And then I think marketing spend and PR is a really important consideration for franchisors. And for us, we see many pulling back on spend. And for us, it seems like the time to double down to make sure consumers are aware of the brand that they can trust and to have confidence when they are ready to make a buying decision to trust someone to come into their home that they are aware of Bright Star. And so we uh, went back on air with a large TV campaign on April the 6th, and we'll run almost all the way through the rest of the year on TV. Our largest spend ever on TV will be this year because I think it's real important from a public service announcement to our consumers to stay home, which is the label of our ad. But it also is trying to give them confidence when they're ready to have someone come with them that we are fully prepared, nurse-led. We were already doing the things to keep our workers safe in terms of hand hygiene and safety protocols before. We clearly have upped our game with N95 masks for every front line that wants them as we've evolved with the crisis to even take high brand standards higher. You kind of segue with the marketing discussion to the place that I wanted to go next, and that's to ask about franchise development and how you see that coming through the tail end of this crisis. From being a country that was sitting with virtually zero unemployment six or eight weeks ago to the numbers of unemployed today that may come into the franchise space, what do you say to the audience of franchisors about how to manage recruitment coming out of COVID? Yeah. I mean, I think living through 2008, 2009, when you had high levels of unemployment of your upper management levels, it was a robust time for franchise development, even though it didn't feel like a robust time on Main Street. It, it was for franchise development. And I think we'll see a similar thing. I think right now in the next four to 
eight weeks, I think people are going to need to see their 401ks and stock portfolios come back to have confidence then investing in a business. But I think there are a lot of jobs where furloughs occurred or layoffs occurred, that those jobs probably are not coming back in the short term. And it will move a lot of folks who hadn't thought about being an entrepreneur to thinking about being a franchisee and that being their path to entrepreneurship. So I think it can be strong. What we've done with our franchise development folks in the second quarter is uh, given them an or on their goals, the number of deals that would have been required or an activity goal, because we think that closing deals might not occur or as uh, consistently in Q2 as people wait and see their cash position and feel better about that. But we think they will be confident for those that explore in Q2 to make a commitment decision in Q3 and Q4. So overall for the year, we are as bullish on franchise development as we were coming into the year. We just think the timing of when those relationships get started might be different than what they would have otherwise been. Would you agree that from a marketing perspective and illustrating the things that you're doing responsibly to the consumer side of your business, every bit is important that you do that for franchise development side of your business and your next validations in the third and fourth quarter and into next year are in large part going to be all about how the franchisees feel about the way their franchisor did the things that they did, a la what you've heard today from Shelly about managing through this crisis. Would you agree with that, Shelly? I, I think that's absolutely right. I think it's how your franchisees validate. I mean, I would say early March, we did take a reduction on our marketing spend for franchise development. I actually did a one-on-one -on -one with my head of franchise development, Pete First, this morning, and I gave him permission to take the vendor that we use for pay-per-click back up to our original spending levels. But we did pull back some dollars for 30 days, but we're ready and we're going back to pre-COVID-19 spending levels. So there is a vote of confidence that we are just in a short-term hiccup. We don't have a flu that's going to take us forever with this disease. We're just going to We're not to that kind of country. No, right. we're, we're an optimistic country. We're a country, country of small businesses and entrepreneurs. And as long as Congress does and the president does what they need to quickly with PPP loans, and there's enough for the small businesses rather than the publicly traded companies, uh, we will get back to a strong economy once again. Shelly, what did I not ask you that you wished I would have? I think maybe just on the legislative front, because I think activity, I know we're all busy running our, running our businesses, but I think those that are willing to get engaged in the process can really influence the process. So if you're not a member of IFA's FAN, uh, Franchise Action Network, I encourage every franchise brand to be a part of that. They'll let us know what the things are that we need to be influencing our members of Congress on that are important, that's been, been critical to the PPP loan process. Uh, for us as an industry, you know, as soon as we started seeing this, originally home care wasn't part of health care in the definition of first responders and for FFCRA. And so I'm the one that went and hired the lobbyist and went and got IFA to sign on to it and HCAOA to sign on to it and NOC to sign on to it and led over 5,000 pieces of communication for my brand, probably a thousand for me personally and hundreds of hours of calls. One person or one brand and industries coming together can make a huge difference in what we need our members of Congress to do to support our businesses, but it requires being engaged and active. Had we not been engaged and active, we would have been really significantly at risk not being able to service our clients because we would have been exposed to FFCRA, to home care, and we're not now. But the same night that I celebrated victory with our franchisees that we did it, we won. Just because we don't have to pay it doesn't mean we 
shouldn't if any of our caregivers are symptomatic or have contracted COVID, because that is a right thing to do. We want to be an employer of choice, but we want to make sure we're there to take care of our clients as well. So it was necessary to win, but it doesn't let us off the hook from the moral responsibility to take care of our great frontline employees. But I would say activism, you get out what you put in, so be active. You're kind of reiterating last week's guest when Matt Haller was here. (laughs) I'm sure Matt's going to feel very, very good hearing you say the things that you're validating just a week later. And literally, the message that you're sharing is just about the same as the message that anyone should carry into a career as a franchisee. You get out of it what you put in. So you take the training and you take what your franchisor teaches you and then you apply it and just put your head down and execute, 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 and you can't help but win. Shelly, it's been a real thrill having you here with us Thanks, Dan. My pleasure. Always a pleasure talking with you. I just can't wait to be able to say see you soon someplace on the trail. (laughs) Absolutely. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Shelly Sun, co-founder and CEO of Bright Star Care. I just love listening to the passion exuded by Shelly, and I wish we had more time to drill deeper into some of the wisdom that she's always so willing to share. Next week, we're joined by another Fran friend, one who walks the talk when it comes to being better every day and becoming the best version of yourself. I'm talking about none other than Cordell Riley. If there's one thing I can promise about Cordell, it's that he'll inspire you to smile, no matter what your circumstances or what you may be encountering. He'll be here next week to share a dose of something that everyone could use a a little bit more of right now. Without giving away too much, I'll tell you that it deals with his five E's for corporate teams and franchisees. Encouragement, engagement, education, entertainment, and escape. Cordell Riley lays it all out next week right here on Franchise Today. Let's close this episode out by celebrating the fact that we're one week closer to exiting these crazy, unprecedented times. While this new normal has likely forced us to make some adjustments, over time, we'll ultimately be stronger, better, and richer for the experience. History has proven that, crisis after crisis, time after time. And our DNA dictates it. As a people, that's just who we are. So, until next week, please stay safe and continue doing the best you can. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. 